Praise the Lord. Glad you're here tonight. We're going to explore a little more in this topic. And I'm going to get Pastor Ken to help me read some scriptures. How many like that? A lot of ministers have another minister read for them. And uh, I could read if I wanted to. I'll just get out my reading glasses. But it's just faster this way, you know. It's all good. But we're in part eight. I thought I was in part eight last week, but I was wrong. They straightened me out. That was part seven. So we're going to do part eight this week, the real part eight. So, but uh, how many know that there's a lot of hurts inside people that they've been through? And I could ask you, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have suffered things, events, things in your heart, in your past, in your upbringing even, that harmed you in some way. I mean, I've shared many things in my life, how it affected me at times, you know, that happened. And and uh, it's uh, sometimes the pastors have to be more transparent to let you in, to see that we know by experience also what we're talking about. But God has been good, and he brings healing to you, and he helps you. But tonight, we're going to talk about open the eyes of my heart, Lord. We sang that song tonight. I told Zach, I really want to sing this song. And so he did a masterful job in incorporating that in our worship tonight. But open the, heart, the eyes of my heart, Lord. Let that be a real prayer tonight for you. But we're talking about opening the eyes of your heart. Pastor, would you go ahead and read Luke 4, 18 and 19, and we'll join in. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. That's been our text since we've been in the study. And uh, statement number one I will give you tonight is this. The Lord doesn't erase the events, bad or good. And if those events harmed you or hurt you, as it would be then denying that these things never took place. You know, God doesn't erase it. But what he does, as I've mentioned to you many times before, the wounds are what hurts. But when you get healed of a wound, then you have a scar. You go look at Zach's Achilles. If he raised his pant leg, you'd see a nasty scar back there because he tore that Achilles completely in two. And you remember he was wheeling around here on one of those little knee scooters and... Uh, Different ones. I mean, both my boys have suffered. Nick suffered a terrible ankle injury. He's got rods in his ankle and scars on it. Uh, just various things. I got three little scars, or two, because they went through my belly button, too. But two, when they took out my gallbladder. And you'll just have scars. But eventually, your wounds, if you let God in, he will bring healing to you. Amen? And then the continuance of that statement is this. The Holy Spirit, however, 
superimposes that trauma that happened to you with the truth showing you the spiritual side. So, many times we don't know where God says, why did something happen to me? And I mentioned that about different ones, and I can talk about this individual because he is deceased now, Brother Jesse, years ago on Ditch Road. He came to our church, and boy, he, he just loved God. I mean, he would come down, and he helped me build out some walls in there, and, and we just worked along together. And that was back in my long hair days, you know. I've outgrown those. My, my brain got so big, got squeezed all the hair out of the top. But anyway, he's kind of long-haired and had a beard, and I had a beard, and I was kind of long-haired. I was just trying to be more like Jesus, you know. But it didn't work that way. But anyway, Jesse and I hit it off. And Dale Sides came and taught about healing the fragments of the soul. Y'all remember that. Well, I'm teaching along the same lines right now. And even reading his book and other books along with it. But, you know, I prayed with Jesse because he had some deep hurts from his childhood. He'd been a biker run with the bikers out in California, and he'd been kind of wild. And he, he just suffered. He wanted to serve God. He wanted to love people, but he was hurting. And I'll never forget, as I prayed with him, and in fact, it was in the VA hospital that I went to see him. He was sick in the hospital. And I went in there, and I said, Jesse, you know, a lot of our traumatic things that happen in our life affect us physically on the outside and God wants to bring healing to your body as well as your soul and your spirit when you accept Jesus Christ he heals you I mean he brings healing to your man your spirit man I mean you're a new creation but what does that word say in 2 Corinthians 5 17 all old things pass away and all things become new. It didn't say it became new. It says become new. So it's a process that occurs. When you suffer a hurt, then you need the process of God's healing power to cleanse you and make you a, a better person. And so I remember I prayed with Jesse. I said, Jesse, let's just ask the Lord to show you what happened in your life that caused you so much hurt. Because he, he had difficulties once he got real close to people. He had difficulties with the intimacy. And I'm not talking about sexuality. I'm talking about being able to be intimate and really talk to people. He had put up a wall. He was a good guy. But i never forget, uh, I prayed with him, and he began to weep, and the tears ran down his face there in the VA hospital. And I said, what is God showing you? He said, Pastor, I remember back when I was 12 years old, and he said, I had a stepdad that would beat me. That was terrible to me. And he said, I had some stepbrothers and sisters, and they were younger than me. And he said, I remember going to school that day and I came home to the house after school and I, 
I looked, and they weren't there. I said, what do you mean? He said, they had moved everything out of the house and left. And they left me there, 12 years old, in California. I said, well, what did you do? He said, I stayed in an in a abandoned car for about three days until my friend told his mother, and his mother invited me to come into the house and stay with them for a time. I said, well, let's pray that the Lord show you what was going on spiritually. And so we prayed, and I could see a smile break out on his face. I said, what are you seeing? He said, I just, I see these angels in my mind surrounding me as I was there by myself. He said, I was abandoned, but God did not abandon me. I said, isn't that wonderful? See, that wound was there from 12 to probably he was 38 or 40, 42 at the time. That wound had been there for 30 years. See, many people suffer wounds back into their childhood that they don't get healed from. And God wants you to be healed. But the Holy Spirit's the one that brings that revelation of where God was. And so when he saw that, he knew that he was not alone. I said, isn't that cool? You had to stay in a car. You were probably fearful, maybe scared. Made him tough. I mean, he became a biker. I'm not talking about CMA, Christian Motorcycle Association. You know, And they're, they're pretty guy, good guys. Some of them were tough at one time, too. I actually did the blessing of the bikes two or three times down in South Florida. I had my own motorcycle. So I did the blessing of the bikes and prayed over all the guys, the riders and their bikes. But these guys were, I won't say he's in the Hell's Angels, but he was in a bad biker gang, you know, that was up to no good. But he landed in Arkansas, and then he landed in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. He lived out, he told me, I said, Where, where'd you get an apartment at? He said, in Quailin. I said, Quailin? Where is Quailin? He meant Quilin, you know, <laughs> but he said Quailin. I'll never forget that. When I get to heaven, I get to talk to him. I'm going to say, you remember telling me you lived in Quailin, Missouri, you know? But, uh, but God was there. He had his angels protecting him. I said, well, you're here today at that time because God kept you. He did not abandon you. Your family abandoned you, but God did not abandon you. And he had his angels there with you. And see, he, he got some healing that day. And God wants all of us to be healed of any kind of things like that. Well, here's statement number two. He takes us back to what happened so that he can heal the broken place and put things back together to make us whole. See, that's why he shows us things, events, from our past, so that we can let him open our eyes to our hearts. Heart, remember L-A-E-B in the Hebrew, it means the throne, the resting place of your decision-making, your emotions, your thought life. So, you know, the heart's the place where the king sits. And I guess the key is, who is the king of your heart? 
Is it your flesh? Is it somebody in the world? You can't let your spouse be king or queen of your heart. It needs to be the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you let him be king, guess what? He makes his kingdom work real well in you and around you. So anyway, he gets you to that place where you were broken and he begins to put the pieces back together and give you understanding that you did not have before. It's pretty cool, really. Have any of you been noticing since we started this series how God's been doing some of that in your life? Bringing people along your path that maybe you hadn't seen in years. Maybe you haven't talked to in a long time. That's happened to me many times. I've been able to talk to people that maybe we didn't end on the right note, but then we were able to renew our fellowship and our friendship again. Well, let's go ahead and look at Genesis 3, 5, and 6. That's one of the things where all this started. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Well, that's kind of typical man, isn't it? If your wife puts something good on the table, you'll usually eat it. You know, have you ever eaten something you didn't know what it was? You would have never eaten it in all your life. But it looked good and it tasted good, and then they tell you what it was. And it's kind of like, you got to be kidding me. I ate that? I tell you what, we had some good oysters down in Louisiana, didn't we, honey? What, what kind were those? They were, they were roasted something, garlic. And any of y'all ever wanted to eat oysters before? They just looked like a blob of gray stuff. But you, you roast them, put some garlic and stuff on it, and then you put that on a cracker, put a little lime or sprinkle some salt on it. Man, that was good. You're saying, I don't think I'd like oysters. Well, you got to eat about a dozen before you like them. I think I've told that story how before I was married, a friend of mine came down from Indiana, and he wanted to try oysters, so I... We were down the French Quarter close to Cafe Du Monde where the beignets are, the little square donuts with powder, powdery sugar. And I saw this sign in a place that said, Oyster, Oysters on the Half Shell for $2.25. That was 1983, before I even met Lucille. I said, there's some. So we parked, got out, went in there, and sat at the bar, oyst uh, ordered a dozen oysters. And I had a different girlfriend at the time. She didn't last. <laughs> but anyway, I was glad I had a girl with me when I went in there. And my friend was there. And we got to looking around. There was no women in that place except for the girl I brought with me. <laughs> we had already ordered them. I said, let's hurry up and eat these and get out of here. It was a gay bar. <laughs> Sometimes it's a setup. Those oysters on that sign drew me into that place. I thought, oh my goodness, I'm very uncomfortable here right now. <laughs> so we got out of there. But, you know, oysters, 
It's kind of like the world. Sometimes they don't look too good, but they can taste good if you make them the right way. Oysters fried, put on a poor boy sandwich. I'm, I'm boy, I'm hungry tonight. But you put that on a poor boy, and it tastes delicious. But anyhow, she looked at that fruit, and it looked good. Looked good to eat. You ever seen fruit on a tree and how good it looks? fresh apple or a peach or a plum. Man, you can already see the juice almost just running right out of it when you take a bite. And that's the way that fruit looked. It, but it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord said you can eat any of the fruit except for this tree. And yet, isn't that the way it is in life? Your flesh wants to partake of the very thing God said don't do it. Used to have a lot of fun. I'd go down US one, and I'd have Zach with me in the car, maybe Alicia too. And there'd be, there's a strip bar on that strip of highway. You know, it wasn't far from my house. And these men were getting out of their car, going into that strip bar. I unrobed my window, and I yelled, "Don't do it! Your mama would be ashamed of you." They'd look around. Of course, Zach would be laughing, giggling like crazy. I said, now don't you be doing that. But anyway, just a lot of fun to do that. But that's the way the enemy works. He tries to make something look good when it's not the right thing. And then you suffer from it. And that was the beginning of Eve and Adam following her lead instead of him leading her and giving in and partaking of the fruit that they shouldn't have eaten. And that was the beginning of the heart not being yielded to God. Let's look also at Proverbs 25 and 2. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. Sometimes God doesn't just show it all, but it's up to us to look for it, to look for your answer. Sometimes you've got to ask questions. When we're sitting around the table, sometimes my kids will ask questions of their mom or myself, you know, about when we were kids or something. There's many times there's questions and why do we act the way we do? Or why do we believe the way we do? And there's a reason. Sometimes you're influenced by the way you were raised or by circumstances. But I'll tell you, it's like this sometimes. It's like that gal that asked her mom, said, now, what do we do with that pot roast? We, we cut off the end, and then we put it in the skillet, and you brazen it or whatever they call it, and then you flip it over and kind of sears it enough to hold in the juices. Then you put it in the oven for a while. And she said, now, I'm just curious, Mom, why did do we cut off the ends? She said, well, I don't know. That's just the way your grandma always did it. Why don't you call her? So she called her grandmother, and she said, well, darling, the reason why I always cut the end off the pot roast was because the pan was too small. So sometimes 
what we know and what we don't know is two different things. But it's up to us to search it out and to find out the cause or the reasoning or whatever happened. And it's not wrong for you to want to know the truth. In fact, God wants to reveal the truth to you in due time and when you're ready for it. But sometimes you need to see because God was in it all the way along. And it's part of your heritage or part of your identity or, or whatever. You know, I was raised in an ultra-Pentecostal home, as was Pastor Ken. I mean, our families were strict. You know, I used to wrestle with my mom because my dad, I knew it wasn't no good arguing with him. <laughs> but I'd wrestle with her and say, because they didn't want us going to the movies at all. And I'd say, well, why, why can't you? Well, it's a worldly place. Well, what makes it worldly? Well, because it's dark in there. Well, it's dark, okay, but, you know, it's because the screen is all bright. I was trying to figure out why on earth is it wrong. And then the next thing I knew, a few months later, Dave Wilkerson came out with a movie called The Cross and the Switchblade. Then the whole church went to the movie. And I was confused. I was probably 12, 13 years old. You know, I said, why was it a sin for us to go to the movies then and now because it's crossing a switchblade, all of a sudden that dark theater in a worldly place was okay. See, you have many things that confuse you in life. But it's up to you in serving God to search out the matter and find out what is going on. Statement number three says this, we must understand. Understand means you comprehend it. You don't just see it. I can see something and not comprehend what it really is. You can watch a baseball game, but if you never played or coached like I did or pitched on certain levels, you can watch the game and all you know is a guy threw it and the other guy hit it. Sometimes they hit it all the way over the fence. And they're trying to figure out why. Like last night, the Philadelphia Phillies team hit five home runs in that World Series game. And they were talking all kinds of stuff. Well, he's tipping his pitches. How many of you would know what tipping a pitch is? See there? You'd have to search it out to figure out what on earth are they talking about. I understand because I used to pitch. It's the way that you deliver the ball. Maybe your glove hand comes around like this on a fastball. Maybe on the curve you are lower because you're coming over the top more. You know, So he drops his glove and they say, well, it's going to be a curveball. So they're ready to swing under the ball instead of swing right at the ball, if that's true. But you've got to search out the matter. You need to understand. How many of us understand what we don't know, see, that affects us and impacts us? And then what do we do? We react to an action that's determined to be against us or toward us, and it causes us to have resentments or angers or frustrations because somebody did an action that we did not understand. And then when we find out why they're that way, maybe because of something that damaged them or harmed them. It's like a dog that's been hit, and you go to pet it, and it cowers from you because you didn't know it was been hit. You're reaching to pet it and scratch its ears or something. But it's afraid because 
the last person hit it or switched it, beat it down. You know, so same thing with people. Sometimes there's been actions and events that have caused us pain, and so we cower and we, you know, our reflex is to recoil and not be open. And when we're not open, sometimes we can't have a good relationship. We can't have, you know, that openness. We want to be open. So he said we must understand that God opens our hearts to show the issues so that we can have the revelation of truth to return us to God so we can be healed. We need to know what it is so that we can come to God and say, this is what's wrong in me, Lord. I see it, and I'm open for you to reveal it or to remove it or to just heal it so that I can act differently, so that I can do differently than what you wanted. But it, there's a lot of trouble because these things sometimes. Let's look at Isaiah 6. Actually, the next uh, four verses are the same. Only Isaiah 6, 9, and 10 was the prophetic word that Isaiah penned in the Old Testament. Read that first, Pastor Ken. And he said, Go and tell this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return and be healed. Wow. Sometimes people, Isaiah was a little frustrated with them, I think. He wasn't sure he wanted them to see and hear. Because if they understood, they'd come back to God and he would heal them. How many of you have been frustrated with people in your life that crossed your path and they just keep repeating history? Rick and I were talking about an acquaintance of mine, somebody he knows well, that returned to drugs. And it's kind of like, how long does somebody have to live and make mistakes to not return back to their trouble? But even Peter wrote, you know, the, the dog returns to its vomit and the pig returns to its mire. The, the mud. Have you ever been? My uncle Roy, uh, Charles over past uh, Circle City back in there uh, on the other side of the road from Essex back close to Bird's Corner, Missouri, Castor River. He had a farm out there. And they had hogs in the pen. And we go do what they called slop the hogs. Isn't that amazing how much bacon tastes so good? Or a good thin pork chop breaded in panko and fried. Man, I like those thin ones. I can just pick it up and eat it. Mm. Tastes so good. And yet you look at the hog and what does it look like? Man, that thing's ugly. It's just, everything's out of proportion. It's little short legs and so fat and it's neck, you know, it's a snout out there. 
and it roots around like that. And you know, you slop those hogs, you got to be careful where you leave it. Because you know what? Those rascals will try to pin you against the fence. And as a little eight, nine-year-old boy like I was, they said, don't you get down in there. Man, that big mama hog will nail you. They'll get you down on the ground. They'll start chewing on you, and they'll make the supper of you. Those hogs are mean. Big. Man, we're talking about Richard Johnson. He's got a big farm over there not far from Myrtle Beach, and that's Mike's dad. Him and his sons they and different relatives, they go hunting on that property for wild boar, you know, wild hogs. Some of them got tusk, like an elephant almost. You know. They're pretty crazy, wild. You don't want to get nailed by one of those things. But anyway, we've got to understand, you know, that sometimes people, they don't seem ready. You almost wish they'd just crash and burn because they just keep going back to the mud. They just slip back into their old ways. And it's so frustrating because you want good things for them. You don't want them to continue to mess up their lives by their same actions. They'll be maybe sober for six months or two years and then something happens and it just throws them off the wagon into the mud. And you wonder, God, what is it going to take? Well, they need their eyes opened to their hearts so that they understand why and how did I get hurt like this? Why is there so much pain in me that I feel like I got to numb it by drinking or using methamphetamine or smoking marijuana? And I was told by somebody today that the marijuana that they're distributing, you know, they're trying to make it recreational use is okay. But what a lot of people don't understand, and it wasn't Lucia that told me this because she's a substance abuse counselor, but they were telling me some of these, this marijuana is so powerful. They're making it stronger with THC. They're growing it that way to where the THC is blowing people's minds. I mean, they're, they're going over the edge and becoming psychotic off marijuana. And they want to vote on it to make it legal as if it's okay to just be recreational on its use. But the reality is, it's not good. It will kill some people. And who knows what they might lace in it, what chemicals they might put on it. And all it takes is one time, one of Zach's guys that played baseball with him, he did his funeral when he died. He had gone to a substance abuse program, and he had gotten out, and he was sober for some time. Man, we were excited about his freedom. And somebody coerced him with heroin again. And that time it was laced with, I think, fentanyl. But it was so powerful that it killed him. This young man that was a year younger than Zach, Zach ended up doing the funeral. That was three or four years ago. And it was sad. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart so I can understand 
People need to understand, how can we make them? We can't make them come and talk to somebody like me or you. They have to decide on their own, will they come to God and be honest and sincere and open their hearts to God to deal with them? You know. But we see Matthew 13, 15, just to prove my point, this was an Old Testament prophecy said in the New Testament. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. As I look across the room, I see people that, have you tried to reason with your friends or people you know to turn away from the junk? Try to get them to get out of the ditch? Get out of the filth that they are in? It takes God revelation in their lives to get them to come out and seek their healing. They need it. You know, and I feel so helpless sometimes when I see on Facebook or something, somebody's died or somebody's sick in the hospital and, and they have fallen back into the trap of the devil's ways. In John 12, 40, it says it again. He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Some people, he's had to harden their hearts or else they would just go the easy route. What happens when somebody gets sober for six months? And then the devil comes back and they did not grow. They did not get discipled. Sometimes if they don't understand what was going on, but they get, they get sober enough, but then they use what happens to them a lot of times. They get high again on the same thing, but this time, because they were sober for six months, it's like a baseball bat between their eyes. Because all of a sudden, this thing, they don't have the resistance built up where they had to use more and more and more, and then they got sober for six months, their system got purified and cleansed. They try to use the same amount, and boom! See, that's what kills some people. They thought, well, they didn't, they just used the normal amount. What is normal? There's nothing normal about using heroin. There's nothing normal about using methamphetamine. It is a trap. But God has to harden their hearts lest it kills them sometimes. But they need to be healed completely, not just a little. And then we see Acts 28, 27. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. Amen. They willfully let their ears grow dull. Have you ever heard something so long that it's like it doesn't have any power to you anymore? I've heard that already. That's nothing new. Or how many times can you preach John 3.16? You know, you, you preach that every service. Does that do a lot of good? People can't just get saved every week. 
you know, they need to grow. They need to be delivered. They need to be committed enough to be healed and come out of that wilderness. And it's great. John 3.16 is powerful. It's a powerful scripture. But do you forget that God loves you and that he gave his son for you from one week to the next? The Lord told me when I saw that vision of that banner right up there, it was 8 o'clock on a Sunday morning in South Florida. I was sitting there, and the Lord showed me a vision. That's what I saw. I described it to an artist, and she drew it. And I said, that's it. It's exactly what I saw. I didn't see him as a regular person. It was in an abstract, artistic way, and she did a masterful job of it. And then the Holy Spirit said, if you will always include the cross in your messages somewhere, I'll bless your ministry. That's why I've taught on tithes and offerings and had people get saved. You know, it's amazing. Because you add the cross to it. It's a good message. Preaching of the cross to those who are perishing is foolishness, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 1, I think 16 or 17, right around there. We see it. There's a process. The first thing is this. The heart has to get healed. So you come into that position of revelation so that God can heal you out of that circumstance. How many know it's a process that lasts for a while because you've got multiple things that have occurred in your life and he wants to eliminate one by one the hold that these might have over you. The second thing, the heart gets converted. You know, and to be converted, that's like changing uh, something that was gas over to hydrogen. How many know they're going to come out with hydrogen cars before you know it eventually? They've already created the carburetor for it. I knew a guy that had invented it down in South Miami in the early 1990s. He showed it to me. The car companies wanted to buy it so they could throw it in the dumpster so that they'd never make it. And I got a, we got a cousin, he's closer in cousin to Pastor Ken. He's tried to build a hydrogen car over in Sykeston. Very smart man. He owns a big company and does real well. They race cars. But he told me all about, he's had dreams about hydrogen cars. You get a car running on water, Guess what? There's a lot of water compared to oil. It's possible. This could have been done a long time ago, but the oil companies got to make that money. Anyway, I won't get off on that. But the heart gets converted just like you could convert a car. Remember they were converting cars from oil to cooking oil that was redeemed out of restaurants? They're reclaiming the cooking oil and making it, processing it to where they could use it as fuel. They were converting it. God converts your heart. He changes your heart from being one way to another, from being closed to open, from being bound to free. He does a work in your heart. Number third thing is this. It comes, your heart comes to understand. That word understand is soon me and me, and it means to join together in the mind. 
But when your heart comes to understand, then your mind, those fragments, those things that are confusing, comes together and you begin to understand. One of the first things Brother Dave Downey and I discussed when he first moved here in 2003 in the fall. Remember that, Brother Dave? He was here, he was working on a crew blasting Highway 60 to make an opening so they could finish the highway into Papa Joe's. And he talked to me about the healing of the broken heart. Way back then, how God, he gave me his testimony and how God had led him down the path to getting his heart restored again. He had had different events happen in his life that caused him to be damaged. And God needed to heal him. If you notice, he, he chuckles and laughs and smiles a lot. And he's pretty easy going. God did a work in him. He gets along with about anybody. The third thing is this. We, so we come to understand so those things come together in our minds and our minds can help us to function. Then the fourth thing is seeing with real eyes and hearing with real ears. Because not seeing and not hearing keeps us from the healing God has for us. He's not going to just give it to somebody that's going to trample all over the blood of Jesus again by doing the same stupid stuff over and over. He hardens their hearts a little bit to make them seek and search and look, and they have to humble themselves before the Lord. They come in and say, my life is a mess. I'm done. I'm finished, Lord. Whatever you want to do, here am I. And then God's able to open your eyes and open your heart to understand so that you can be healed. Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his, the, his inheritance in the saints. Wow. He gets you in a position where you can see the hope of your calling. It's better if you do this when you're young. Zach's got a great capacity. I'm very proud of him. He's talented. He's anointed. I've tried to keep him close to me for years. And he's, I mean, he did his thing. He was athlete in school and all this, but tried to stay close so he could ask me questions and God could reveal things, and, and he is able with a bigger capacity than most people because he started early to have his eyes opened and his ears opened and to understand. A lot of you young people, see, it can happen so much sooner for you. You know, I saw it after it when I was young, and the Lord has allowed me to have a good time in the ministry and to see results and a lot of fruit because of it. But a lot of people have philandered their way along the way until they're my age, and they still haven't done what God put on them. And it's sad, but it's never too late. You know, the Word of God says in Joel and Acts both, for he'll make up the years that the locust has eaten and the canker worm has eaten and the consuming locust has eaten. He'll restore those years. Somebody say amen. 
Yeah. He'll restore the years that you feel like have been lost if you let him. He certainly will. 2 Kings chapter 6, 16 and 17 says, So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Wow. How many of y'all love Jesus? Well, guess what? He's got angels around you. And if you pray and you open up your heart to him, he's protecting you sometimes when you, don't, you think you're all alone and you're not alone. He's got his angels around you. And you cry out to him and you feel something and it's, he's got his presence all around you. And that's what Elisha was showing his servant. This guy was scared to death. The armies were against him. And he said, oh, I'm not worried about this. I'm paraphrasing. He said, Lord, open his eyes. Let him see. And he saw chariots of fire and horsemen and angels. There was more of them than there was of the army. One case, remember, he blinded the eyes of all those. And then he turned around and led them out to the, yeah, he he led them away from there, right to the enemy, right to their enemy, the one that he was for, the king. They captured him easily. God be for you, who can be against you? Acts chapter 26 and verse 18. To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Wow. You know, the Holy Spirit, I put a little summary there. He, what he does is he untwists the confusion of a person's mind from darkness, and he brings you into the light of his promises. His promises are yes and amen. They're for you. They're still for you. Even if you feel like they've been far away, just get close to him again. Open up your heart and let him bring you to him. He'll do things about your purpose that you never thought possible. I took Zach with me and I preached in Kingsport, Tennessee one time. And uh, I had a meeting. I dropped him off at the mall. He was 16 years old. Were you driving already? You were helping me drive on that trip? 17. Well, I dropped him there, and he found a music store, and he started playing praise and worship songs or songs he wrote or something. He could tell the story better probably. But this guy walked by and heard him. And he said, do you sing too or something like that? And I think he sang a little bit. And he said, can I let my friend hear you? And he put it on his cell phone, and it was a guy named something Moody. He was a production guy in Nashville. And uh, he asked if we could meet with him on our way home. So we stopped in Nashville at the Opryland Hotel because they got all kinds of pianos. But they had an event. They had every piano in that place. They had like 1,700 pianos, and every one of them was locked. You know, it was crazy. That's a huge hotel, by the way. It's like the second largest in either the world or the United States. I mean, 
And uh, so we went out, and when it's sprinkling rain, Zach got out the guitar and was singing a song that he and somebody else had written together. And, and the guy listened. He said, you know, at your age, you're farther along than any user named Leland, who's married to... Uh, anyway, somebody that was uh, who was pretty good, well-known in praise and worship music today. He said, you're farther along. He, he asked him a question. He said, is this what you want to do totally with your life? You want to be an artist? He said, I can help you. I can plug you in with songwriting people. You can come over and spend a few weeks here, and we can nurture you and, and coach you, and you can become a Christian artist one day. Or would you rather do what your dad does in preaching and music? And Zach didn't hesitate. He looked him square in the eyes and he said, I want to do what my dad does along with music. See, he knew his eyes of his understanding had been opened. He didn't want to just be somebody that makes records that people listen to on the Christian radio station but he wanted to be able to preach the word one day. And guess where he's at right now? He's in the driver's seat in these Sunday services. And he's going to get better and better and better. And the Holy Ghost is going to use him. And then the glory of God's going to really hit this place. That's why now he's got to dig in even harder. Dig in to get that word and that power going. Because he's got a heritage. He knows who he is. That's what God wants for you. He wants you to know who you are. I want to challenge you right now. I know some people are in pain, so, so I want to pray a prayer for everybody, and then I want those who are in some pain. Who are, those, who are in pain here tonight? You need prayer. Okay, come on up here, brother. If you'll just sit right here. Tanya, you told me you were in pain. You come out and sit over here. We're, I'm going to anoint you with oil. I believe your pain's going to leave your body. That healing's going to come to you. But before we pray for them, let's all agree. Just put a hand up to the Lord. And we're going to agree in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, that you're going to open eyes. You're going to open hearts. You're going to help them have understanding like they've never had before so that they can fulfill the mission and the purpose you have for their lives, God, like never before, that they can be healed of any hurts on the inside and they can be converted, their hearts can be truly converted and that they can receive that healing to be what you want them to be in every area of their life by the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I just pray for Tanya right now, Lord. I thank you. I anoint her with oil. And we all agree right now. And I'm just going to join your hand in agreement. It's like a contract right now. I just agree with a spiritual contract that God's going to heal your ribs. He's going to heal the pain in your body, the COPD or whatever, the congestive heart failure. That is not God in your life. That's a broken body that the enemy's tried to utilize the events in your life that has torn you down. And I ask God to rebuild you, to build you up, to touch your heart, 
your lungs, your blood, your circulation. I ask the Lord to cleanse your lungs of this disease, and I ask the Lord to destroy any yoke off of you that would cause your mind not to be able to have the fragments put back together again, that God would heal you, that pain will leave you even now. Pain go in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. All right, I want you to just see if there's any pain. Would you feel it right now if you had pain? Do you have pain? Yeah, be honest. A little. Amen. Well, maybe they're not going to stay there. Remember what we said? This has been happening ever since I've been to Texas twice. Little pain. Everybody say, go. Little pain, go. Yeah, just that little bit of pain, go. Those bleeds dry up, and you'd be normal. So you can dance if you want to. Yeah, strengthen your legs. Make you a dancer full of joy. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory. Yes, you just sit there. All right, Helen. All right, where are you hurting? Your head? Okay. And you know what? He created you. He made you. So I'm going to anoint your head, and I'm going to believe right now. Everybody agree with me for Helen. Lord, we ask you to destroy any yoke of the enemy. If there be anything in his brain or his skull that is not of you, we'd ask you to bind it up and destroy any yoke off of him and allow him to be clear-minded and take pain out of his mind and his brain, out of his head right now. And we ask you for healing power to touch him. Touch Helen today. He's got a mission and a purpose in you, Lord. He's got so much talent to offer you and to be used by you for the glory of your kingdom, O oh God. I thank you for Helen. I've always loved him, Lord. He's a good brother. And I know you care for him and you have a plan for him. And he's not ever given up. He keeps coming back from time to time. And he's trying, God, to serve you. And I ask you to give him a boost. Give him some help. Give him some healing right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, by your stripes, we were healed. And I thank you for it. Pain be gone. Today, right now, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Okay, it's better? Any pain at all? Little pain. Everybody say it. Little pain. Go in Jesus Christ's name. No lingering. You're not allowed to hang around anymore. We ask you to give Helen clarity and freedom from pain in your name. Is it lingering still? Can you tell? It's easing up. Well, let's command it to continue. Even like the lepers, as they went, they were healed completely. Let it happen for you, brother. One, two, three, in the name of Jesus. Let it be done. God bless you, buddy. Will you all stand with me? Lord, in the name of Jesus, be with us. Help us to keep growing and learning and coming into understanding of the glory of God.
Amen. God bless you. We love you. Praise the Lord.